We at V2V Community Church believe in the authority of the Word of God. We teach and expound from the scriptures which forms the foundation of our faith. We pray that this message blesses you. Father, we thank you for today. Father God, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all of the praise. I stand here before you and ask to be used by you. Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself, spirit, soul, and body to you completely and utterly. I pray you use me to minister your word to this people. I pray that they'll have ears to hear and every, every hardness of heart will be broken, shattered, and destroyed. And your word will penetrate every hard heart. In the name of Jesus. Father, we give you glory for it. We bind every assignment of wicked one loose against this meeting or any person in here. And we thank you for your angels that move around this building freely without hindrance in Jesus' name. Touch people even as they sit in their seats, Father. We vow to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want to talk to you. Okay, can you turn your Bibles with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 13? Numbers, chapter 13. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you all the question? When was the last time you did anything for the first time? Simple question. When was the last time you did anything for the first time? Something you've never done before. Anyone? Well, let me say it again. When was the last time... You did anything for the first time. Something different, something new, something you've never done before. Anyone? Think about it. We need to start thinking outside the box and stop giving up in life so easy. Never run from anything because the thing you run from, you'll never overcome. What you have to do is you've got to make sure <laughs> that you fight to the end. Never give up, never quit. In Numbers 20, uh, chapter 13 here, and from verse 17, Moses tells them <coughs> to go and spy out the land. Moses sent them to spy out the land in Cain of Canaan in Numbers 13, 17. And said unto them, get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. And see the land where the, where the, what the people are like that dwell therein, whether they be strong or few or many. Whether they be strong, weak, few or many. And what the land is like that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, what cities there be that, dwell, that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether they be wood therein or not, and be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now, the time was a time of first ripe, first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness unto Zin, unto Rehob, as men come from Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Abihman, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eskrol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, 
and, and they bare it between two upon a staff, and they bought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook of Eschol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went, they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and unto the wilderness of, of Parin of Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither you sent us to. And surely, yes, it flows with milk and with honey, and this is the fruit of the land. Nevertheless, the people that be, the people be strong in the land, that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jezubites and the Amorites dwell in the, in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess this land, for we are more than able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go against this people, for they are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land though which we have gone to search it, is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that saw it are men of great stature. Here's where I'm getting to. And there they saw, and there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight. Listen to me. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. You get what I'm saying? The way you see yourself is the way others see you. I hear this all the time. Because I'm black, I can't do this. Because I'm black, I can't do that. Listen to me, color has nothing to do with what you achieve in your life. Yes, you may experience racism, but there's a lot of people who have encountered racism and still become successful. It is not about what your, oh, my parents weren't nice to me. It, you, it doesn't matter what your past is. This the way that you see yourself. In, in our own eyes, we were like grasshoppers, and so were we in their eyes. How do you see yourself? And let me say to you, in this life, they saw the promise of God. And if you read on a, a few more chapters, you see when this lot did not enter the promised land, it was the next generation that entered the promised land. And Caleb and Joshua were the one that possessed the blessings of that land. And many of us are looking for this easy life. I'm telling you today, life is full of giants. I don't care what you do in your life. Life is full of giants. Whether you're single, whether you're married, life is full of giants. And we've got to learn to do war against the enemy that's coming against us. You, you know, what we have, we have what we call institutionalized people. I saw a video of a, a police officer. And... Um, you know, it's amazing to me how they would just grasp whatever the law changes. Like a few years ago, we all had phones in our hands, right? Then we would all drive with our phones in our hand until the law said it's illegal. But until then, we all driving with phones in our hands. <coughs> this police officer <coughs> saw a man in a van in a four-wheel drive, 
And the man was on his phone. When he saw the police officer, he dropped the phone. His phone went down his side. So the police officer started chasing him. The police officer says, I cannot stand people on their phone. Well, you were doing the same thing a couple of years ago. Until the law said it's illegal. And now you hate him. Not because anything, the phone, just you're institutionalized. To hate what they say you must hate. And so he chases the guy. The guy goes into a scrapyard. And the guy stops, starts ramming the police car. Mark police car. Rams the police car. The police now gives him chase, but he's not running. He stops at the top of a hill. He reverses full speed, climbs a police car. The policeman is in the car. It's over a phone. Climbs the, his car gets on the top of the police car. The policeman is in panic now because the car is collapsing. The roof is, but because the police car's bonnet went up, it stopped the roof caving in because this man's four-wheel drive is on the top of the police car for a phone. And, and the police now has to crawl out the, the inside, the passenger door, because this man's car is, is the way it's coming down on the car, all for a phone. Well, when did you hate phones so much that you put your life in danger like that? And many of us today are institutionalized. And what that means is we just go with whatever the, the system says. Whatever the fad is, we go with the fad. You know, have you ever seen a flea, a flea circus? You ever seen a flea circus? Come, you must have seen a flea circus. A flea circus is in a jar. You know how they get a flea circus in a jar? You put the fleas in a jar and you cover the jar. The fleas will bounce as high as the jar would go, as, the, as they jump as, far, as high as the cover would go. And when they jump, after a while, they become institutionalized. Even when you remove the jar, the cover from the jar, the flea will no go, not go any further than the jar. Because they've been trained to, not go, to just go so high and no more. So even when you remove the jar, the fleas will just jump. Even though they could jump out, they won't come out because they've been trained to just go as high as the jar will allow them. Have you ever seen an elephant as big as an elephant where they chain the elephant to a, a, a post and the elephant will walk with a chain and after a while, even when you take the chain off the elephant, the elephant will only go as far as the chain, the invisible chain, will allow him to go. You've seen sharks. There's a shark that will grow eight feet. You put the shark in a, in a tank, it will grow eight inches institutionalized. Even though it has the potential to grow to eight feet, that shark will only grow to eight inches when it's in the tank. Put it in the ocean, it grows to eight feet. I wonder what's restricting your growth. Many of us, how many, how many women don't have your driving license? Why? Go get it. You say, oh, the cars on the bus wheels are so big, they're not going to trouble you. I heard people say, oh, I can't drive because the wheels on those lorries are so big. They're on the lorry, not in your life. Get your license. How many things could you do if you really put your mind to it? If you really put your mind to it, that you can achieve. There's a lot, you, many of us are in jobs we hate. We're doing jobs we hate, but yet we keep doing the jobs. Why don't you make a change? Do something else. Re-educate yourself and find something you actually love to do. Are you, are you listen to me. We're, we're institutionalized. We think, as a man thinks in his heart, you know what the restrictions are? You know what the restrictions are? On your thoughts. Your restrictions of what you can achieve is in your heart. You'll be amazed what you can do if you remove the limitations. If you can come outside the box and begin to think differently, you'll be shocked at what you can achieve if you really, really put your heart to it. 
business people, I see a lot of people trying to get rich. Number one, how many know God search our motives? It is not just give me money, it's why do you want the money? And many of us are looking, we spend so much time <coughs> running after materialism and things that our relationship with God is dying. And we don't know that our relationship with God is dying. I've got to tell you, there's more to this life than just owning a three-bedroom semi-detached house and a couple of cars and three or four children. There's got to be more to life than this, right? This cannot be it. The Bible says we're pilgrims passing through. Let me ask you another question. On your death, what will they remember you for? I sent you a, a video at Christmas. Some of you have sent a video about the train, where our life is on the train. Did, did you get the video from me? You, I, did I know that many of you? I sent all of it to you? I showed in church. Oh, I showed in church. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I remember half of you being in my phone book. But, but that journey where, and it's true, some people in your life will get, off, get out your life and you don't even know they've gone. That means if you could be in my life and you leave my life and I don't even notice you've left my life, means you have zero impact in my life. The women in this church today, if your husband left you, your life will get better. It's the truth. If my wife left me today, she should be in pain. She should wake up every morning thinking, my God, I made a mistake. If he was here, this wouldn't be happening. If he was here, I'd be going there. If he was here, I'd be doing this. If he was here, this is what we'll be doing now. There's others where your hus- if your husband left you, you'd be, you'd be a better person. Some of you women, if you left, the husband's life will go up another notch. Because what we're doing, we, we're not stretching ourselves. We, you, you think that you get married. Let me tell you, when you get married, it, that's not the end of it. That's the beginning of it. At that point, you've got to make commitment. You've got to, you've got to cr- be creative. You've got to invest. Are you here? What do the women do for their husbands for Valentine's? What did you do for him lately? What did you do, women? Tell me. Let me have three women tell me what you've done. Three women stand up, tell me what you did. Because it's always about the men giving, isn't it? Tell me. Come on, women. Come on, women. Where are you, you married woman, you? Where are you, you married woman? Tell me. Mrs. Dada. I mean, Mrs. Jira. Sorry. 200 mil. I was going to say 200 pounds. I was on the same page as you then. 200 mil. That's good. What else? Women. Hey, come and tell me. Stand up. Stand up. Don't be shy. Shout. A uh, what? A Manchester what? A what? Oh, wow, okay. Whatever works. Huh? Stadium tour. Oh, okay, that's nice. What else? Ladies, show me. What did you do? This is really weird. No, this is really weird because now you're telling me, I'm telling your husband to do for you, and you're making no effort. How many know the two, there's three sides to every story? Go and tell me, Megan, what did you do? Shout. You bought my watch. Did it end with an X? 
<laughs> no exit. No. You bought him a watch. Nice. So I'm sure there's more than two or three married women in this place, right? Huh? Who? Who's that? Bola? Oh, come on, Bola. I need to hear this one. Tell me. Stand up, Bola. Shout it out. You got him a gift. That's not enough to tell me. Bola, a handkerchief is a gift. You got him a nice perfume. Perfume or the toilet? Perfume. Don't buy all the toilet for man. You buy him perfume with the oils in it. Well done, ladies. But so what happened to the rest of you? Nothing? Okay. Let's go back to the word. Okay. So let's look at 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Now, if there's anyone in the Bible that I, I really, really follow and really love his heart, <coughs> it's King David. Of all the men in the scriptures, his life seemed to be like all the way through dynamic. He has had so many ups and downs, but when I look at him, his life is for me is a wonderful, wonderful way of life. And King David was, do you remember when he was anointed to be king? His father didn't invite him. Samuel went over to the house and he, 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 he went along. This must be him. God says, no, that's not him. No, that's not him. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And he says, he says to David, do you have, to Jesse, do you have any more children? Because these are not the ones. He said, well, there is one. He's in the field. Well, how many know when your father doesn't invite you to the party, he says something about you. So he brings him in. He anoints him with oil that this is the next king of Israel. Do you know how long it was before David became the king? Fifteen years. Fifteen years of waiting. You, everyone saw you anointed to be king. And the problem with many of us, we want everything right here and right now. And we, want, we live in the instant world where everything happens straight away. You, we don't even switch our phone off because we don't, can't wait for it to come back on. We want it on immediately when we wake up. How many switch your phone off? Most of us don't switch it off. We leave it on 24-7. And, and we, David's waited 15 years to become the king. In the meantime, he's had a schizophrenic king trying to kill him. He's had, he's had battles. He's had all these different things happening to him. The man whom he loves is trying to kill him because he thinks he's, he's his enemy. It goes on all the different things where Saul is chasing him, pursuing him. Even it takes 3,000 men to track him down. And, and then David finally becomes king after King Saul died. He became the king. But another seven and a half years goes by before he actually becomes the king of the whole of Israel. Because he was only king of half of the, the city, half the nation. And then eventually, when Joab came and uh, they put him together and made him king of the whole of Israel. So you're talking about 21, 20, 22 years, whatever it was, before he became, before the fulfillment of the promise. And we're the ones nowadays, we want everything straight away. How many of you know the battles to be fought? The, the challenges, you know, you have a chill. Some of you, you just want to get married. That's number one. Okay, you get to that level. Now you want children. You, can't, you find out you can't have children. Now the battle becomes where you've got to believe God for the children. Then you do have children, then something goes wrong with them. Alan and Stephanie right now are in the hospital with Jaira. He had a heart surgery yesterday. And how many know, they never saw this part. When they thought they were walking up the aisle, you never saw this bit. 
when you walked up the aisle. Now he, he was in hospital yesterday, and he had heart surgery, I think, last night, this, last night. He had heart surgery last night. Now they're there with him, now believing God. Um, a little tiny, tiny, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of battles I've fought. The harder battle, the hardest battles is when it's a child that size, and there's nothing you can do. And you say, God, if I could only take this, let me take this for them so they don't have to go through this. And those are the battles, but sometimes we want this instant result. And some of those of you who want to get married, I've seen a woman uh, yesterday on the news where she, she married, a, she was 18 years younger than her husband. So no, husband's 18 years younger than her. And she's believing God for this husband. And, you know, she, she says he came along. They're married for eight and a half years. And there's a hurricane in, in, a, in, Ol in Orlando. Uh, and then this dude, two guys decided to take advantage of the hurricane, climb through the window. The man tries to wrestle them. They shoot him dead. She says, this was the dream of my life. This was my dream. Eight and a half years, I had him with me. We were very happy. We were, but you see, sometimes life doesn't go as you plan. But what do you do when it goes wrong? You've got to be ready to put your head down and begin to go to war. Are you listening to me? Sometimes things don't go as we'd like it to go. And you may not be where you want to be today, but don't give up and don't quit. Never run from anything in your life. If you're married, your marriage is not working out right now, don't run away. Because you know what? Once you run, you can't come back. You, it's never the same when you give up. If you're in a job you don't like, don't quit until you're ready to quit. Don't quit because it's hard. Quit because you've fulfilled everything you need to do and say, now I can go free. Are you here? So if you run because people are nasty to your work, you run because people don't like your work, you've got to stay there, face that until you overcome that. And then you leave when you're ready to leave, not because they push you out. Are you here? Okay. Now, watch this. David says <coughs> in verse 32 of, of chapter 17, David said to Saul, now Saul, King Saul are now facing this giant. I tell you, there's, there's so many giants in our life. One of the greatest giants we ever face is called what? Every new level you go to, the first thing you're going to encounter is a spirit called fear. It's always trying to intimidate you to turn back. If you've never read the book called Pilgrim's Progress, I strongly recommend you read that book. It's an incredible book. So now David said to King Saul, let, let no man's heart fail because of fear. Because of him, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, but you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Now, young men, how many young men do we have here? The Bible tells us, let no man despite thy youth, despise your youth, men and women. Just because you're young doesn't mean you're less than anybody else. The thing is, because the young people don't have positive role models, you come across as this stupid, ignorant people. But if you will only change the company you keep, young people, begin to hang around with people who know more than you, and begin to glean, the little gang members you run around with can't help you. You're all stupid. If you're in a gang, what does that think? What do you think that makes you? There's a gang here that will help you. We're gang members. Gang, gang members for Jesus, right? 
We're gang up on the, on the devil. We're gang members. We're a proper gang. But when you hang out with your hoodie boys, with their knives in their pocket and their, their guns and that, you, if you, Jesus said if you live by the sword, when you're carrying a knife, how do you think you're going to die? You're going to draw a knife and someone's always got a bigger one than you. There's that one guy, he pulled out a knife and he pulled a knife on someone and the guy says, looked at the knife and laughed. And he, the man just went like this and drew a cutlass. How many know the knife becomes insignificant? And, and that's what we do. We walk around with these things in our pockets. Let me tell you, the Bible tells you, Proverbs 13, 20, he that walks with wise men shall be... If you, become, if you walk with a fool, what happens to you? You're destroyed. No, you don't become a fool, you get destroyed. How many young people have died today because of the company that they keep? How many of them are hanging around the wrong people? How many of them are in prison, doing life in prison today because they're with the wrong people? Get along, align yourself with the right people. Don't get around those. Let me tell you, there's no easy way in this life. If you're a villain, if you're, if you're selling drugs, it's hard. Because now you've got to worry about not just people, the police getting you and putting you in prison. You've got to worry about the other gang members and drug dealers killing you and taking your money. If you're, if you're an educated person, you're working, it's hard. Because there's always challenges in life. There's always going to be challenges. There's no easy life. And if you're looking for easy life, you keep going around in circles. Can I say amen? David said, let's not be afraid of this man. I'll go and fight him. Verse 34, David said to Saul, <laughs> your servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out, out of the flock. Now, history says David was about 15 years old when this happened. 15 years old. I'm, I'm 62. Now, you're in the flock. You're by yourself in the field with the sheep. Have you ever heard a lion roar? We were in South Africa, and we saw three lions, male lions. In, we were in um, Kruger National, and we were looking for the animals, and we saw three male lions. There's actually supposed to be six of them, but they, they separated. This is three, six brothers. We sat in the truck and watched three lions walking towards us. I tell the honest truth, the first thing hits you is fear. Because you know they can leap into that truck, they'll drag you out like a rag doll. And when you look in their eyes, there's something about their eyes that's scary. And we're sitting there, and you're looking at those things, and you're thinking to myself, what would I do? What would I do if I were the shepherd boy? Now remember, when you, when you say shepherd boy, we're not talking about city lights. We're not talking about city lights. The lights come on at 6 and go off at 11. We're talking about countryside. Countryside. And you hear, I know this thing is coming. You, now, be honest. You see this line and it picks up one of your little lambs. And you've got hundreds of lambs. It picks up one little lamb. What's your first instinct? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, what would be your first instinct? How many would run towards that line and say, how dare you? That's what I like about this man. 
He didn't run back and say, well, it's just one lamb. Obviously, you know, we can spare one lamb. The lion's hungry. We can rationalize why we allow these things to happen in our life. Well, you know, lions get hungry. They need to be fed. God made them hungry. God knows how to feed them. But this man doesn't do that. He runs towards that lion, grabs him by his beard, takes the lamb out of the mouth, and gives him a left hook and knocks the lion out, kills the lion. He kills a lion, but there's no spectators. Many of us perform well when we think people are watching us. When there's a crowd, we perform well. But when we're by ourselves, that's who we really are. Then after that, the bear comes again now. See, when you run from your giants, after a while, your giants will control you. Whatever your fear is, whatever your thing is, if you keep running away from me, I'm shy. Listen, you ain't got time to be shy. If you're shy, you get up here and say something to everybody quickly and let them know that you're no longer shy. In this life, you can't be shy. But the way I'm made, God made me. God knew the way I was going to look before I was made. So I've got to look in the mirror and be glad I'm, I'm who I am. I can't walk around looking at you. Look, you're tall, you're slim. That's you. But you might be miserable inside. I've got to be content with who I am. And not running around trying to be somebody else. Are you here? So many people live their lives trying to be like somebody else. You, the best person you could ever be is you. You are the original. Thy servant slew both the, the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine should be as one of them, seeing he has defined the armies of the living God. Watch this. When you start dealing with what's in front of you, it gives you strength, faith, and courage to deal with the bigger ones. You've got to deal with what's in front of you today. Whatever your fight is today, and all of us may have different fights. Whatever the giant is facing you right now, you know, you can look down yourself. Many women, many men, they don't see themselves as anybody. We have a low self-esteem. You need to bring your self-esteem back up. Romans 12, 3 tells us we ought to think, we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But we, before I can think too high, I must think high. I must begin to see my worth and my value. Okay. <laughs> it says, David said, moreover, the Lord has delivered me out of the poor, the lion, out of the poor, the bear. He will deliver me out the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And Saul armed David with his armor and put on a helmet of brass upon him and his head. And he also armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor and essayed to go, for he had not proved it. <laughs> and David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I'm not proved, I've not proved them. David put them off of him and went back to what he knew. Here's lesson number one. You cannot be somebody else. You can look at what everyone else does, but that's not you. That's not who you are. Stop trying to be like other people. You know, but you can't live your life according to other people's looks. You've got to find your place in life. Not everyone's going to be tall and slim. Not all men are going to be muscular. But whatever you are, do your best with you. But enjoy who you are. Come out of this institutionalized living where you think you've got to do this, you've got to do that. The girl I support in Kenya, she plays jokes with me. She sent me a picture of her breakfast this morning. Processed ham, two fried eggs, toast. She says, you can see now I'm ready for marriage. I can cook. 
I said, you're funny. Two, two slices of processed ham, <coughs> two fried eggs, and you're now ready for marriage. How many know cooking is a bit more, marriage is a bit more than cooking breakfast, right? But you, who are you? Who are you really? Who are you? When it comes down to you, who are you? If you've been dropped, Mephibosheth was dropped by his maid, and because that, he became a cripple. Many of us, we're not crippled physically, but we're crippled in our lives. We, we can't do this because that happened to me. I can't achieve this because this is who I am. But if you could come out of your thinking, because it's, it's the restrictions are on your heart. As a man thinks in his, the way you think will cause you to behave. The way you think will cause you to act. If I could get past the limitations of my thinking, it means I could remove all the restrictions on my life. So when someone says to me, you can't do that, tell me, why can't I do it? Why can't I do it? You tell me I can't because you see me and my restrictions. But if I can change my mindset and begin to think differently, I'm going to be a different person. I, I watched my wife over the years. I, in my household, they don't have a choice. They've got to do. They've got to drive what I drive. They've got to do what I do. They, all of them have got to do. If I drive a Ferrari, they've got to drive a Ferrari. If I drive a Range Rover, they've got to drive a Range Rover. Whatever I've driven, they've had to drive. Simply because I'm trying to make them strong enough that if anything happens to me, their life doesn't change or go down because of me. And we've got ladies, stop sitting back and let the man do everything for you. You're going to become a weak individual. You should get up. My wife, she's constantly involved. I'm watching her all the time, always active. Always. Now my battle is with her and the cakes. She has, she has a new boyfriend. It's called Cookery. And she's always in that kitchen. And sometime I go to my bed. The other night, it was like 2 o'clock, I think. I'm in the kitchen waiting for her. And I say, you know what, I can't. I can't wait. I, I can't hold up anymore. And then I said, I've got to go to bed now. She says, can you make me a cup of tea? It took all in the morning. Can you make, no, okay, I make the tea. And then she's saying, and watching, she's trying to keep me in the room. She's right. And then all of a sudden she finds all these things for me to do. Can you, can you watch that for me? And after a while, I, you just ease out. You keep, you keep talking. You keep on talking. She still hears your voice. And you walk up, you go out, and you go up to the stairs, and she's still talking. And you run upstairs really quick. And you go to your bed. But, but I want to challenge you today. I'm going to show you some scriptures from people who did absolutely incredible things. Tell me to Joshua chapter 10. You see these little, um, these little preachers, your children preachers. Have you seen that? You've seen those little days, you see them on social media <coughs> where their parents get them to preach. I don't agree with it. If I strongly disagree with it, because you're, you're going to probably turn your child into a hating God. How many a childhood should be a childhood? But when we try to make people do things they're not supposed to do, we can actually damage them. And, and I, I want to say to you there are things that can happen to us that you haven't even began to imagine yet. Hey, girly, girly, come here, come here. Hi, how are you? 
good. You're always busy in church. What's your name? <laughs> What's your name? You're always busy. You're a pretty girl, aren't you? You got what? Play rehearsals. Play rehearsals. God, you're really committed to the things of God. Do you have coffee with me sometime? <laughs> you do? Me? You make me coffee? Yeah, sure. All right, okay. <laughs> she says she makes me breakfast and tea. No, you, you don't know me today. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you look very nice. Want to hang out sometime? Okay. You see, I got success. <laughs> I won't say no more on that one. But she does do me breakfast. So let me show you something here in the scriptures. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 11. Coming out of the box, thinking differently. Watch this. And it came to pass, <coughs> as they fled from before Israel, and were in the going down to Bethron, that the Lord cast, great, cast down great stones from heaven upon them to Ezekiah, and they, they died. There were more which died with the hail of stones than whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Verse 12. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in that day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said, in the sight of all of Israel, in the sight of all Israel... This has never, ever been done before. In the sight of everybody, Joshua says, remember Joshua's always the one halfway up the mountain with Moses. He had a good mentor. And in the sight of all Israel, Joshua cries out, sun stand still and the moon stand still. And guess what happened? The sun and the moon stood still. Now, some people say it was an eclipse. Well, the reason he wanted the sun to stand still so he had more daylight to kill the enemy. So he wasn't an eclipse. Some says the moon, uh, the sun doesn't stand still. The earth revolves around the, the sun. So it had to be the earth to stop. That's an even greater miracle. Wouldn't you agree? Whatever God needs. See, God doesn't need to understand what I mean when I say sun stand still. God honored his words. When... Could you imagine making a declaration like that in front of the whole church? Sun, stand still. Bam, the sun stood still. If he never opened his mouth, nothing would have changed. If you keep doing what you do, it amazes me. We keep doing the same thing and get the same results. And we, we get frustrated, but we keep doing the same thing and get the same results. And we get frustrated and we do the same thing. And it goes on and on and on and on. If you want change, make a change. If you want things to be the same. Isn't it funny? We'll do the same old thing. We're programmed in this world to get a job, pay our pension, and wait till we're such and such an age and we retire. There's got to be more to life than just working to die. There's got to be more than that, right? You've got married couples, and you don't date. You've got children. You know, when you have children, it doesn't mean life comes to a standstill. Because we have these children now, we're not going to do nothing else. All we're going to do is look after these children. But um, let me give you some bad news and good news. It's good news because it helps you. But your children, when they come of a certain age, the first thing they're going to do is drop you, parents. And they've gone about their business, and they will not even look back. In fact, I've seen people now, when their parents get old, first thing they do is put them in a home. 
and I'm going to give my life for these kids. And as soon as I'm old, they think I'm too old. They put me in a home and want my money. There's going to be more to life than that, right? And you couples, you, you're so focused on these little children, but they do grow. They do grow, and they do leave you alone. Most of the times now, we're on our own. Danny disappears. Sarah's gone. Dominic's gone. Even Ashley's soon to be gone. He's 15 this year. They've got so much going on in their life. If we focus on just our children, we'd be most miserable now. But we're smart enough to know that one day they're going to leave. Now, this declaration, sun stands still, moon stands still. I wonder what's in us that we don't say. What, what, that came from his heart. He thought differently. Who on earth will think to call the sun to stand still and the moon to stand still? What can you call into being in your life? If you could only step across, step across the restrictions you've placed within you. Most of us have so many restrictions. I don't look like this. I don't have this education. I can't do that. But you know, a lot of things we can achieve is not based on what we know about or achieve in this world. A lot of things come from this kingdom of heaven. You could be anything you want to be if you put the effort into it. Now, it doesn't mean that I can now declare I'm going to fly a fighter jet. If I'm going to fly a fighter jet, what am I going to do? I've got to pray. It's not praying that gets you in a fighter jet. I've got to go to train, right, train. I've got to go to the right places to begin to train, to get my license and do whatever I've got to do. It's, it's, this, this foolishness, faith, foolishness, and presumption is where we think we just say it's going to happen. When Joshua says, son, stand still, he did not just stand there waiting. They pursued the enemy. As you begin to pursue, you've got to get up. Even today, I was watching some of you come out here for your healing. And let me tell you a secret about healing. It's not just standing here like a dodo. That's not how you get healed. It's when you begin to move that limb that couldn't move. That part that was in pain, and you begin to stretch, and you begin to, all of a sudden, in the book of Acts, it says, the lame man, when they say, when he says, this is silver or gold, have I none, but such I have given unto you, it says, he leapt to his feet. When he leapt to his feet, he was healed. And some of us, we, we have no corresponding action. People are praying for us, but there's no corresponding action. You're waiting for something to happen, but it doesn't happen until you begin to respond to the, to the prayer. As you begin to respond to the prayer, like my back's, okay, let me touch my toes, let me touch my toes. Let me do something I couldn't do before. All of a sudden, healings manifest. Do you get it? There must always be corresponding action. You can't want things in life without corresponding action. Women, you want a husband, you've got to take care of you. Because physically, men, men are attracted first, and women, first you're attracted to what you see. Before you can check the heart out, you've got to like what you see. No one closes their eyes and dates. The only one I know that was, uh, what's the singer, the blind one? No, Steve, what's the other one? Uh, Ray Charles. He would do this on their wrists. And he knew if your wrist was big, then the rest of you. <laughs> but generally, most of us, <coughs> we like what we see. So if you're a woman, like a man, if you're a man, just because you don't have to wait till you're single to achieve in life, men. You can buy your own flat now. You can buy your own car now, men. You don't have to wait until you get married to begin achieving in life. You can, do, you can achieve in life right now. 
come outside your box. You can buy your own place now. You have buy to let. Uh, but you have um, mortgage, what do they call it? Help to buy mortgages. <coughs> where the government help fund you. One guy did it in this church. After three years, he sold the flat, paid them back, and made 150 grand. Put it on a, on a three-bedroom detached house. You don't have to wait until some, you get into a position to start being what you're supposed to be. Single men, most, every single man in here should have his own car. Every single man in here should have his own car. I had my own car at 14 years old. I was taking the engine out at 14 years old. I was driving the car at 15 years old. At 17, I was going to buy my own flat until I met my girlfriend and got married instead. You don't have to wait to achieve. You can achieve now. Hello? Every young man should have his own car. And as a young man, you don't have to drive a Wukotung Tung car. You can buy a new car. We can all achieve. Are you here? Okay. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Can you come away from you? Would you trust you to govern your life? Huh? Would you trust you with your life? Would you trust you to make all the decisions for your life? But many of us do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop leaning to your own understanding. Let me tell you, the kingdom of God is beyond comprehension. Everything we need in this earth is here. The spiritual side, instead of just being a Sunday Christian, many of us can't even get to church on a Sunday on time. Shall I tell you why? Shall I tell you why many of us struggle to arrive in church on time on a Sunday? And it's funny when we go to work, we, we know time... Work starts at what? Nine o'clock. What happens to, to your work if you're late for work consistently? Eventually they'll fire you. Why is it then that when it comes to church, we feel it's okay to come into church late? Shall I tell you why you do it? Because it's not a priority. It's not a priority. If I said to you today, every Sunday you come into church, if you get here, um, service begins at 11, if you get here by 9, See Amon and Shola and Kibiru, they all have an envelope, 5,000 pounds as you come through the door. How many will be here on time? If I say you're going to be here by 9, you won't be here at 9 in case someone get here before you. You'll be here at 7. You know why? Because you love money. You know why we come late to church? Because it's, it's not just coming in late, it's a reflection of your relationship with God. When those of you who walk in late, you're telling me a story. You tell me the story of your life. Because when you walk into church and you're late in church, you're giving me a rundown of your spiritual life with God. Because I know in my household, late is not an option for church. We don't come, we don't come to church at 11 o'clock or 10.30. We get here at 8.30 in the morning. Do I have anything to do? Not really. The guys do it, but it's a priority. It's a reflection of my relationship with God. It says everything about my Christian walk, that I will not be late for work and I'm not going to be late for church. So when you're late for church, it tells me spiritually you're on a downslide. When you're on time for God, it means you have a good relationship with God. Because I mean, when you walk close to God, you begin to respect Him more than ever. Are you here? Okay, let's look at this now. <sighs> look at um, 
Mark chapter 10 with me, verse 46. Does your life ever feel like maybe like you're going around a, a merry-go-round? <coughs> Every year comes, same old, same old, same old, same old. Here's a man by the name of Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was blind. Now, you know, we can get to where we are and we can excuse the way we are. Some people just mean. And they don't, you know, if you, I mean, we say you're nice people, you're nice inside, you're nice to people. Can I see your hand? You're nice. You like people, you're nice to people. Not every hand goes up, I understand. Um, but some people are just not nice people. Have you met them? You met them? <coughs> Do they have any relatives in this church? If you notice, some people, they're just not nice. Now, do you not notice that with yourself that you're not nice? Do you, not, do you not think to yourself something? Do you not take stock and think, you know, I'm a really mean person? Do you take stock like that and think, you know what, well, I'm, just, I'm just not nice to be. Some of your mothers, your children are scared of you. Because you, you, the way you are, coming home to you is like going home to a dungeon. It's just not pleasant to go home. Now, if you're like that, do you want to stay as you are or do you want to change? Come out from your, you say, well, my mother was like that with me. My father's like that. You know, we use this all the time. Just because someone did it to me doesn't mean I have to do it to everybody else. There must be a place where I can say, you know what, I want to make a change today. I want to change today. I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to be mean. Some people are just mean. Just mean. Just, just be around them. They're just mean. They've always angry, always got something. You know, I mean, uh, anger, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. So we all get angry. But how I many of some people are just angry all the time? Not just the sun, the, their whole life goes down on their wrath. They're every month, every week, every day, years go down on their wrath. Why are you angry the way you are? How I many anger is, is partially insanity? Because I mean, when you're angry, you, you don't, you're not yourself. And you, we're going to make a decision. This man was blind, but this man made a decision. When he knew that Jesus was coming by, he was not going to remain in the same condition. We have Christ living in us. We need to make a decision. Now, you know what? I want to change. Come out of the box. Now, in verse 46, does I say 46? And they came to Jericho as they went out to Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway, high, highway side begging. When he heard that Jesus is, it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good cheer, rise, he calleth thee. And he, this is what he does, this is what he does, before he even speaks to Jesus, he was a beggar who was wearing a beggar's apparel. The first thing he did was throw away his beggar's apparel, not knowing what was going to happen with Jesus. All he heard was Jesus was a healer. Jesus can make you whole. I'm telling you today, wherever you are, Jesus is a healer. Jesus can make you whole. But this man, the first thing he did before he spoke to Jesus, if you read it there, he says he took his apparel 
and he cast it away. You, you're throwing away your living. Watch what he says. Verse, and verse 50, and he casting away his garment, arose and came to Jesus. The, he threw away his livelihood. We have people today, they're not here today because they have to work on a Sunday. I've never seen this before. In our growing up, when they said you've got to work Sunday, we said, no, thank you. We would take the job because it meant I couldn't be in church. Because we don't understand the importance of church in our lives. Being in church, coming in here, recharges me to get going again for the next week. I've seen a generation, you want to come to church once in a week, on a Sunday. It tells me a lot about your relationship with God. Because I want, wherever we go, we go to church. If we travel, we go to church. We want to be in church. Sometimes it's not pleasant, you know, but it's, it's not always the most pleasant experience in some of the churches. But we go to church. It was me, Len, um, Reverend Q, and we were in a, a Pentecostal church um, in, in Montego Bay. And Reverend Q and Tim, they first, because in those you don't walk out of the church like that. They, when the preacher's preaching and she's going all over the place and some of the scriptures left out. And, um, and then uh, Reverend Q and Tim, they walk out and she stopped the service and said, God bless you. Have a good day. We're next. <laughs> So I'm waiting, and you think, she looks down at her Bible, quick, 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 let's go, quick. So we slip out, and she goes, God bless you, thank you, because the whole service stops to say bye to us. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> we waited for Len and Deborah, and they never came out. <laughs> I think they might have liked the service, but we always go to church. We always, it wasn't, I said, we're going to church. I said, Len, you come to church? Yeah, sure. We all went to church. He, he drove them, us there. But your generation is different. You thinking you can live on a Sunday morning and that's good for you? Let me tell you, I'm in church whenever church is opened. We've always been like that. Coming midweek service has never been an option. We need it. Many times it tops you up as you're about to go down, as you're about to lose your, your spirituality, it just brings you back up again. And your generation now, you get a couple of children, all of a sudden, God has to be on the back burner. You're, we've had our children in church on the floor. And, and I see a lot of people bring their children to church on a Wednesday night because when it's, when it's something you want them to do, it don't matter what time they go to bed. And you say, oh, they've got to go to school. They've got to go to school. Well, when it's something you want to do, you take them out, you go on a date, you keep them up late, whatever. But when it comes to the things of God, we have this image that God should be on the second burner. This man took his livelihood threw it away, he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Before he met Jesus, he threw away his livelihood, willing to let go of everything for this man, Jesus. And we have institutionalized. We've got to do things this way and we can't do that. Let me tell you, the way you all are living your life, many of you write in your Bible today, I told you so. Many of you will not be around for another five years. Because when you eat the way you're eating spiritually, when you, and I, you, those of you watching by, by live stream, God help you if you could be here and you didn't, have it, you didn't come because you're lazy. You will not get one single thing from this message today. Because when you are able to come and you don't come because you're lazy, it says a lot about you. Are you here? But when you, when you come to church, you, based on what you, the way you're eating now, if I saw you eating physical food 
I can tell you, those of you who eat fast foods, I can tell you now, at some stage you're going to encounter cancer. Because the processed food you're eating is what you're digesting at some stage is going to show up what's going into your body. I hear. You keep eating processed food and fast food and drinking fizzy drinks and using toothpaste that's poison. At some stage, what you're eating is going to show up physically in your body and it normally shows up in some sort of cancer or some sort of disease. The way you eat in spiritually, you're not eating enough to sustain your, your spiritual life. You eat a meal on a Sunday and you go the whole week without. Try doing that physically and you realize that you cannot live that way. You are supposed to, we are supposed to pursue God with all of our heart. We're supposed to love the Lord thy God with all of our everything we have. We're supposed to love God. What does God want from us? Surrender, obedience, complete surrender. Whilst I'm not surrendered, I'm living my own life. When I'm surrendered, I'm living the God life. And many of us, so many of us are so distracted and unsurrendered to God that we come to church but Jesus says you draw nigh to me with your mouth but your heart is over there and we're going to make a decision to change and stop being institutionalized and this religious mindset that if I go to church Sunday I'm good no it's a lifestyle blind Bartimaeus threw away his living and said Jesus thou son of David and then Jesus says to him what do you want a blind man, he says, what do you want? That's why we're going to be specific with God. He says, that I might see. And God healed him. But before he got to Jesus, he already surrendered everything he had. What holds you back today? What is that mindset that you think, whatever you've been eating food, spiritual food from, that makes you think you can serve God on a part-time basis? Do you not remember the Bible says we're pledged for the price? We belong to God? Do you remember that scripture? Do you not remember that everything we have belongs to him, including ourselves? Are we not supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart? Are we not supposed to give him 100% of our lives? Our children belong to him. Everything belongs to him. Is he not meant to be the number one in our life, the priority in our lives? Are, are you here? Is there any job that takes place more than God in my life? Is there anything, person, or whatever takes priority in God in my life? And if finally we create time for what we love. Or what we like, we, we create time. When it comes to God, many of us, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. One day, all of us in this room are going to draw in a breath. We'll inhale and never exhale. And that's the last one. At that moment, we'll find out what was really, really important in our lives. And the things that we're changing, we're running around chasing, we realize has no value. How many when you go to the airport use an alarm clock? One of us? Most of us wake up because we can't sleep. You, even if you put the alarm clock, you can't sleep because you, you're so focused in your mind, you're not going to miss this flight. Aren't we? Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a train leaving soon for glory. There's a train leaving. It's called the rapture. And when that one comes, it's too late when you don't miss, if you miss, it's too late. So I encourage you today, come away from the institutional mindset. Come away from what you perceive to be 
Christianity. You have a generation today that doesn't know what they're doing, what they're talking about. You have a generation who have children, but they don't know how to be parents. You have a generation that are married and they don't have no concept what marriage is or what life is like as a married couple. They have no idea. You have a generation today that earns money, but they have no value on life. And until you get close to God, those things, you never know their value. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us at b2bcommunitychurch.com or you can contact us at b2bchurch at aol.co.uk. God bless you.